We're about to do something really cool. We're about to open up the Word of God. Okay, if you don't have a Bible, why don't you uh, raise your hand? We'd love to put one in your hands. And we're continuing our Blessed Life series. And turn with me to the life-changing book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament, chapter 12. I'm excited to talk to you today, continuing in our series called The Blessed Life. And I began the series several weeks ago talking about a young orphan that had really found himself in a destitute situation, but by practically applying the principles of Scripture into his life, committing himself to the people of God, the church, hard work, generous giving, looking to the needs of the poor, the blessings of God fell on this young man, and he was very prosperous and was used to impact his city. And then his son actually went on to be a righteous mayor of the city. And it set in motion a, a blessing on a family. And I told you that that was my great-grandfather, Walter. Now, here's the interesting thing is the same thing was happening on my great-grandmother's side. And her family came from very uh, modest uh, upbringing. They were, they were living a very meager existence, like e- eking out their life on a farm in Conroe, Texas. And in fact, my, my great-grandmother had one dream in life, and that was to go to college. This was at the turn of the century. Uh, being from a poor family, she knew that this was a long shot. And they had one scholarship that was awarded in their city to the most outstanding student. So my great-grandmother worked with all her heart uh, in her schooling and actually became the valedictorian. When it came time for that scholarship to be awarded, she was devastated because for political reasons, the scholarship was given to the richest kid in town. And so she never got to go to college. My great-grandmother, however lived a very godly life. She married my great-grandfather, and they really lived out the principles of the kingdom. They were very committed to their church. They were very hardworking, and God blessed them. They discovered oil on their farm. It was in the Texas oil boom, and so they became very prosperous. Now, the interesting thing about their family, though, is they didn't spend it lavishly. I remember even as a child growing up, going to my great grandmother's home and them having plenty of money, but she's out working her garden, canning her own food, mending her own clothing. They were very godly people. And the interesting thing that my great grandmother did is she did this. She lived out Proverbs thirteen twenty two, and it says this, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. So instead of spending all their money on lavish living, my great-grandmother did something interesting. She set up her children, her grandchildren, and even her great-grandchildren with the opportunity to go to college. She wanted to give them what she never had the chance for. So I got to go to any college I wanted and have it completely paid for because of a fund that she had set up for me. Now, before you start hating on me right now, I want to tell you a story of, of what happened in my life because I think it will soften your heart. I, I actually graduated from college 
with tens of thousands of dollars left in the bank because of this fund my great-grandmother had set up. And I can't tell you what that, that did in my heart to know that someone had thought forward in that manner. I, I got to college and I was, I was in this fiery college group, a lot like ours. And Jimmy Seibert was, was leading it, my, my mentor who was here with us for World Mandate. And I, I loved hearing his stories because I had never met a man like Jimmy who just decided that he was going to read a page of the Bible and then he was going to try to live it out. I'd never heard of anyone doing such a thing. But the most impacting stories he had, and he had tons of stories because he actually saw God be faithful to his word, but the, really the most impacting stories to me were his stories on finances. Because Jimmy would just come to a scripture and do what it said. And so he talked about when he was a college student going on this journey and going into a church service. And God was really getting his heart about everything being the Lord's. And he said that he was wrestling with God and said, you know what? I'm just going to be safe during this offering time. No telling what God will have me do. So I'm going to leave my wallet in my truck. I'm sure no one's ever done that in this room. But... He, he's about to leave his wallet in the truck and, and the spirit of the Lord prompts his heart. You need to take your wallet in. He's like, oh, painful. So he puts his wallet back in his, in his jeans, goes in. And during the offering time, the Lord speaks to his heart and says, give everything you have in your wallet to me. He's like, oh God, that's why I wanted to leave my wallet out in the car. He just has about $15 in his wallet, but that's the last $15 he had to his name. He said he threw that in the offering basket. And for the first time in his life, he just throws up his hands and says, God, I've given everything. I might as well be one of those crazy handheld high kind of people during worship. Just puts his hands up in the air. He said, I had never felt so free. Finishes the service. He's feeling great. And then he's kind of realizing as he's walking back to his car, I'm totally broke. Now, this is such an amazing story. You probably have a hard time believing it. He gets out to his car. And sticking out of the air conditioning vents is money. God totally provided for his needs. And he had just story after story like this. He had a story about God speaking to him to go on his first mission trip, but he totally doesn't have the money to, to, to go on it. The pastor says, hey, we'll take up an offering for you guys at the end. And the pastor forgets. And he's like, oh man, there's no way we're going to get to go. And some random guy comes up to him and says, I feel like God spoke to me to give you money for a mission trip. Gives him the exact money he needs to the dollar figure. He's just blown away. God takes him and his wife on this journey. He talks about needing to host a missionary that was coming over and host a whole group at his house. And he said, I'll do it. And his wife freaks out because she's saying, hey, we don't have any money to do that. And he goes, well, honey, just put on, Laura, put on whatever food we have. So she goes, we have some spaghetti. And he said that, that they said, we're not going to have enough to feed all these people. So they just prayed over the spaghetti and the spaghetti never ran out, just kept multiplying as they were feeding it. And I started hearing this story and going, darn it, I want those things to happen to me. He, he told the story about going on a mission trip. They had $20 left between he and his wife and he's not wanting to leave his wife for a couple weeks with no money. So he gives her the last $20 and is like, well, I guess I can just fast this whole trip shows up at an airport in a different country. A random person walks up and just says, I know this might sound weird, but God spoke to me to give you money covered the rest of his expenses for the trip. I got actually a little jealous hearing these stories. I got a little frustrated because I had a problem when I heard these stories and my problem was this, I, 
every time that Jimmy had these things happen, it was because he was in need. He was in a place of need. And I had this problem. I had too much money. You ever had that problem before? Oh, it's a tough problem to have. I, I was hearing his story and I said, you know, I, I want to live out this kind of life. I, I want to start reading the Bible and doing what it says. And that's a dangerous thing. And I came to Luke chapter 12, verse 22. And I want you to jump in there with me because we're going to dive in. This was a life-changing passage for me in Luke chapter 12. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do these very little things... Why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. The the first thing I started seeing when I was reading this passage, and we'll continue on in a second, is that God wanted to give us a new attitude. Write down attitude if you're taking notes. God wanted to give us a new attitude concerning money and finances because I saw the primary attitude that the people around me had concerning finances was one of anxiety, one of worry. When they thought about money, they became worried. And God wants to give an attitude of peace. He actually wants us to get to a place where someone says money and you go, ah, peace. Someone goes, hey, you're going to have bills, you're going to have needs. And you go, ah, I know, but I'm peaceful. God wants to give you an attitude, a new attitude concerning money and finances, one of peace. And that's one of the reasons I love talking about finances in church is because it's one of the greatest weights, one of the greatest burdens, one of the greatest pains in people's lives. It causes more friction in marriages. It causes people to do all kinds of evil things and deceptive things and weird things. And when we start getting a right attitude in our hearts towards money, we start living in a peaceful and joyful way. Now watch what happens next. Going back here, it says, let's look at 29 again. Do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Do not worry about it for the pagan world runs after all such things. Jesus is saying, this is what the world's chasing after. This is what lost people are chasing after. This is what people that aren't following God are chasing after. He says this, and your father knows that you need them. You know, money is not a bad thing. Possessions are not a bad thing. He goes, your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Another translation says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. I realize that God not only wants to give us a new attitude, he wants to give us a new mindset. And that's the right mindset on money, because here's what I was seeing in the world. The world puts money and possessions as first. And Jesus is saying, no, I want to give you a right mindset. What we should put first is the kingdom of God. That my mindset should be first on the kingdom of God. You are first, Lord Jesus. And your kingdom advancing is first. And then these other things, they'll be added unto me. So he wants to give us the right attitude. wants to give us the right mindset. And then let's finish here. Verse 32 
Do not be afraid, little flock. I love it. Sometimes you just need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, don't be afraid, little flock. Right? Just call yourself a little sheep. Hey, just pet yourself. Don't be afraid. Why? Why? Because the Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Now watch this next part. Because we're going to go from attitude We're going to go to mindset. We're going to go to something else. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near. And no moth destroys for where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. Lastly, God wants to give us a new action concerning our finances. And that's this. To use your finances to bless others. To take care of others. So he says, sell your possessions. Give to whoever has need. And you're going to store up treasure in heaven. A new action. Now, God started highlighting this to me and started showing me, Robert, you're never going to see the impossible because you're not in an impossible situation. You don't need it. Every time you start needing money, you can just go and withdraw from the bank. So God started highlighting this to me and I had tens of thousands of dollars in the bank. And so the Lord started showing me this scripture, it applies to you. Do this. I thought, oh. I think you're telling me to give my finances away. Now, here's the problem. I just got married about a month ago. So when I came and got married, my wife knew what I had in the bank, right? And and here's the problem. Sometimes wives like their husbands to have money. Sometimes wives like their husbands to provide a home for them, right? You, You women know, you know what I'm talking about. You men know what I'm talking about. If you ever didn't have a home, you really know what I'm talking about because your wife looked at him and said, hey, okay. So anyway, so I'm like, oh man, God's speaking to me. He's convicting me in this way. So I need to go and tell my wife what God's speaking to me, right? I mean, I, I at least had heard enough messages on marriage, like don't do something without telling your wife first, right? So I knew that. So I was like, okay. I'm going to, I need to go and tell my wife, Hey, I think we need to give this money in the bank away. But then I started thinking, you know, and she'll probably say, Oh no, don't do that, honey. You know, that's, that's good that we've been blessed. And then I thought, and then I'll say, okay, honey, for you, I won't do it. You know, I'm going to get out of it. You know, so God, you know that I would have done it, but this woman that you gave me, you know, in the garden and you know, you know, the story, Lord. So I, I go to my wife and I'm, you know, I'm like, honey, you know, God has spoken to me that we should do this and give this money away. But, you know, I wanted to bring it to you because I want to honor you and do what you think. And she goes, great, let's do it. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Did you just hear what I said? I said, let's give all this money away. She's like, awesome. That sounds good. And then it starts getting really real. You know, all of a sudden it's not like, oh man, this it's all like. I'm about to have nothing. So we decided to do it and started praying, God, okay, so where do we give this money to? And our church at the time was, was just starting. It was Antioch and, and, and we were, we were uh, redoing a beat up old rundown abandoned grocery store in the inner city. And we felt like God put on our heart to write a check for $27,000. Now that was the majority of the money that I had left over. And I remember just being like, oh, okay. So we go, we write that check. And I remember the Sunday we went to put that in the offering. And we put that in. And I can't describe 
the joy that was released in my heart. Now, here's the interesting thing that happened next. It was probably the next week that God started speaking to me and Steph about buying a piece of property and building a house. And I thought, God, um, I don't know if you saw what just happened, but you're about one week off. Um, because typically people use money to, to build houses. And, um, and, and so that's really interesting because I just gave almost all my money away, Lord. You know, God will often take us in, into impossible situations as the people of God. That there's no way that you could carry out because he wants you to cling to him. And then he wants to do the impossible so that he gets all the glory. You hear me? So God will often, so God was just waiting until I emptied my bank account to say, now it's time to go buy a piece of land and to build a house. And oh, by the way, do it debt free. Hello. Uh, I said, that's awesome, God. But I just have a couple little thousand dollars in my bank account. So we go to buy this piece of land. And the interesting thing is I'd already told Steph, hey, we're called to live among the poor. And, and, and she knew that getting married. So I thought we'd just live in a rundown house in the inner city. And now God's telling us to build a new house. And I'm thinking, God, what in the world? But here's, here's what I want to tell you today. The goal of this message isn't for everyone to just sell everything and become poor. The goal of this message is this. The, some of you guys are going, whew, I could stay. Okay, because I'm certainly not going to do that, Robert. Uh, the, the goal of this message is, is the scripture says that obedience is better than sacrifice. So it's not just about you trying to think of the craziest thing, the most radical thing you can do. The, the, the point of this message is to hear God and obey what he says. So he told us to buy a piece of land and to build a house. So I need to do that. So I, I go and, and we he highlights this piece of land. We go to the owner of the piece of land and say, I'd like to buy this from you. He laughs in my face. So I go, well, maybe I should raise the, my offer. I send it again. He laughs in my face. The land wasn't for sale. And so, but God has shown us this piece of land. In fact, he even starts speaking very clearly. In fact, he even showed it to me in a dream. So I, I have to buy this piece of land. So I go three months and he won't sell it. Four months, won't sell the land. Five months, he starts getting very rude to me. Six months, he won't sell. Seven months, he won't sell. Eight months, nine months. I've already moved my family out. We're living with someone else trying to get this piece of land. Ten months, he won't sell. At 11 months, I, I've been out of a place for 11 months and haven't even got this piece of land yet. This, this guy's name was Joe Farrell. And, and I felt like Moses with Pharaoh. You know, I was like, your name is an awful lot like Pharaoh. And, and so, you know, I'm like, let my land go. You know, Pharaoh, let it go, you know, and. I start praying about six months in. I just start praying, God, get this guy's heart. He's so hard hearted. Get his heart. Get his heart, Lord. And the 11 month mark, I'm wanting to give up. I say, I'm, Steph, I'm going to call one last time. I call him and he answers the phone and he goes, Robert? I'm like, what? Yes, this is Robert. He goes, I'm so glad you called. You're glad I'm called? He goes, I've had a change of heart. He goes, in, in, in fact, hold on. In fact, I. I just had quadruple bypass surgery. I almost died from a heart condition. I'm like, oh, God, I didn't mean to get his heart that way. <laughs> you know, and then you start thinking, yeah, don't mess with believers, you know, come on. And then you start feeling bad. No, I don't. I don't want that to happen. Anyway, I met with them. You know, these things go through your head, right? I, met, I meet with them, and he's like, I, 
I want to sell you this land. God has changed my heart. I'm like, man, I didn't even know you knew God. I don't think he did. And um, he ends up selling us this land, and he drops the price. And so we have this land. Absolutely amazing. And we have $2,000 to build a house with. (laughs) And God says, I want you to give that $2,000 away. Like, of course you do, God. That's just totally makes sense. And so there was a missionary who had just come off the field. She didn't have a vehicle. And so we call her up and say, we feel like God's leading us to give you this money to help you towards buying a used car. And we meet with her. No one in the world knows that we've done this on Saturday morning. We write a check for, for this missionary, hand it to her. Now, I had this crazy builder who said that he was willing to build a house. I said, like, I want to do it debt-free. He goes, awesome. And I said, no, but here's the problem. I don't have any money. He goes, no problem. God's going to provide. I'm like, I'm glad you believe that because I'm really struggling right now. (laughs) That night, my wife and I go to a wedding, you know, and we're like, we're crazy, but God's going to take, do something, you know, or we're going to look like idiots. So we go to a wedding that night and the builder comes up to me and goes, Robert, I have some really good news for you. Like, I could really use some good news right now. He goes, actually, I want you to sit down. I go, okay. I sit down. He goes, uh, God just gave you some money. I said, how much money? He goes, a lot of money. I said, how much money? He goes, you just got an anonymous check for $20,000. I went, now that is kingdom math. We gave 2000 in the morning. We got 20000 that night. And, and here's, yeah, you can clap. That was, this, this is what... God started teaching me out of Luke chapter six, verse 38, give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. My brother-in-law who was here last week speaking to our children, he's a biochemistry professor. And if you don't know what that means, it means he's smart and a lot smarter than me. Um, and, and so he's, he's studied all the, the natural laws of science. And, and so he'd explain, you know, Robert, if you drop something, it's going to fall to the ground. Why? Because there's a law called the law of gravity. He explains that these laws, you know, are, are seldom ever compromised. And he said, but the laws of God, they are never compromised. The Bible says that you'll reap what you'll sow. The Bible says give and it will be given to you. There's these laws of the kingdom that are always true. Now, we were having this amazing season because all of a sudden money just started pouring in, most of which we have no idea still to this day where it came from. And we started building a house debt-free. And it was amazing. The walls were going up. The foundation had been poured. The shingles are coming on. And we would just stand in awe of like, God, you are doing this impossible situation. And then three quarters of the way in, it all stalled out. Just stopped. No money for a week for two weeks, for one month, for two months, for three months. People started coming up to me. Hey, you know, Robert, you've had an amazing run, but you really should go get a loan. I remember one godly man, and he had actually given to me, just said, hey, you have seen God do wonders. 
but no one would blame you to just go to the bank and take out the rest of the money. I remember sitting down one night, late at night, in my stairwell of that house, no carpet on it, just pitch black, no electricity, going, God, what should I do? I felt like God said, you can take out a loan if you want. But if you'll trust in me, I'll fulfill my word to you. Now, now listen to me. I'm not saying that everyone needs to build houses debt-free or you can't have a loan on your house. I do believe in debt-free living. I don't think we should just go put things on credits. The, the borrower is slave to the lender. But with an appreciating asset like a home, I'm totally up for that. But here's the deal. God had spoken clearly to me. And the question is, is would I follow him? Would I live according to his spoken word to me? And, and listen, I was processing this with my leaders and, and, and they were in agreement. And so that week I'm, I'm, I'm having a discipleship time with my mentor, Jimmy. And I say, Jimmy, what's the deal, man? I, I feel like an idiot. It's been three months. We're totally stalled out. People are saying all these different kind of things to me. And he looks at me and with just love in his voice, he goes, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. And I went, Ooh. <laughs> he's usually a really sweet guy. And, uh, but he was just quoting that verse in Galatians six he said, God's not going to be mocked because you have sown in your finances into the kingdom. You followed his word. God's not going to be mocked. And one month later, the finances just started picking up again. And three months later, we were living in a house debt free completely paid for. And then one by one, our neighbors started coming to Christ. In fact, our across the street neighbors, 15 people and their family came to Christ. Oh, it was glorious. I, I realized though that we had been in a test and I, I want to tell you because some of you guys have been listening to this blessed life series and, I, and I'm getting all kinds of people coming up to me saying, I, I just talked to this sweet woman in the guest cafe. She came up, she goes, I got to tell you this. We were like totally out of money. I'm cleaning houses. I got $50 in cash. And I'm thinking, Oh God, here I go. She goes, I get to clean three houses a week. Like she just told me this just a few minutes ago. She goes, I usually have three houses a week and I decide to tithe. And she goes, it was so scary. I tithe. She goes, I went from that the week before having three houses a week, which is my norm to having two houses a day this past week. It's like, it's like come on, that is God showing you that he wants to provide. But he, here's what I also know. There's some of you that are tithing for the first time, giving for the first time. And you're like, and nothing's happening. And you're in a test because God doesn't want you to just live out some equation he wants you to walk in a trusting relationship with him as your providing father. So some of you, he's stretching. You're like, ah! I want to tell you that God stretches us so that we can grow in faith in him. So here we are living in this house debt-free and we'd walk in every day and go like, this is the house that God built. In fact, I wrote it. It's, it's in this book called the house that love built. It was amazing. And then one day God speaks to us to move to San Diego, California. And, thank you. Hey, we have one, one person that's glad we're here. And, um, and so I'm glad we're here. Um, okay. That really wasn't to get more. <laughs> um, so People start saying, man, that's awesome that you own your house debt-free. 
because houses in California are a lot more money than they are in Texas. And that'll be great to sell that and have all that money to put towards, you know, a house down payment. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's awesome. And then I go to a church service. Church services are dangerous. And the, the pastor is talking about what are you going to give to God for Christmas? So I get down on my knees and all of a sudden I'm like, no, 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 no. I start hearing, I'm like, certainly God, you're saying, give you a mouse, not my house, Lord, you know, I'm... and so, right. I'm a good husband. So I go to my wife, right. And I'm like, okay, I know women, they like their house and she's put all this work into it. And it's so cute, color coordinated, you know, and, and, and I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. And this time, actually, she, she, it was different. I go to her and I say, Steph, um, I, I feel like God's saying we need to give him our house. And she doesn't say great. She goes, I totally agree. What? You totally agree? Yeah, no problem. I'm like, how are you like this? You're always on his side, Steph. I, so, so then we're praying, okay, so God, are we giving it to a family in need? Are we, are we giving it to the church? And at that time, God started showing us the orphans in Uganda that had suffered at the hands of Joseph Coney and the LRA. And we had just watched an Invisible Children documentary. And some of our friends were moving to Uganda to start a large orphanage. We felt like God said, you know, with the house that, that takes care of your five people in your family, you'll be able to take care of 80 orphans. We just thought, oh, that is so cool because our, our family is going to be taken care of. But Lord, if we can take 80 orphans off the streets and they're going to hear about Jesus and they're going to become the apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists of that nation and see it set on fire. Oh, that's a good place to send our money. And so we, we prayed about it and felt like God said, okay, sell your house. And, and houses in Texas were a lot less money. So we sold our house for $115,000. And, and God said, just write a check for $100,000, take the next 15 and buy yourself a second car. We had one car and we knew we'd need two cars because our kids were getting in school. And I can't tell you what it felt like to write that check. Uh, it's not because we had a million dollars and then gave away a hundred. I mean, this was what we had, but it felt so amazing. It was one of the greatest thrill. I mean, in the top five thrills of my life, this was in it. To write that check. Now, God was showing us this, and, and, and this, is, this is what the Bible says in Matthew 6:19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and seal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to ask you, what kingdom are you investing in? Where are you investing your money? Now, I'm not against investment, but I do see, and I've known a lot of wealthy people in my life, and I've seen a lot of them be very fearful, and they feel like they have to have their investments totally aligned. And I see them making calls to their brokers or checking things on their computer, or, or maybe, let's just simplify it, maybe for some of you, it's just like, do I have enough in my account? And I'm just always trying to work about work on that, and I just want to make sure that my days are covered, my years are covered. And the Bible says that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I am uncertain if I'll be alive tomorrow. I'm about to hop on a plane right after this service. I might die. I am uncertain about tomorrow. But I want to tell you, I'm certain about eternity. 
Let me just say that again. I am uncertain about next year. I might not be here, but I am certain about eternity. And so I don't want to invest just for the next 30 years. I want to invest for the next 30,000 years. I want to invest in heaven. Do, Do you think first about heaven when you're thinking about your finances. That's where I want to invest. And so it was so exciting. I I, I want to tell you that we gave that $100,000 away. And guess what happened next? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. In fact, we gave our home away and we moved to San Diego and couldn't even find a rent home. We were living in a hotel. It was lame Okay. But but here, here is what I had. I had freedom because I wasn't a slave to money and I had peace because I knew God was going to protect me and provide for my family. And I want to tell you that you can't put a price tag on freedom and peace. And that's what I want for you. I want freedom and peace for you. And for the next five years, we lived in 11 homes. Three of those times we were living with different families. Like I was sleeping on someone's couch. It was so awkward. Like I'm a a dad with kids and like a job. And I'd be like, good night. It was so, and God was just stretching me, stretching me. And I'm like, hello, God. You know, like I'm the guy who gives my house away. Bless little Robbie, you know, and just ah, being stretched. And I find that God will stretch us, stretch us, stretch us. Because he's wanting to build our faith. And he's wanting to make us kingdom people. But I want to tell you, now I own a house that's so much nicer, so much bigger, so much better. It's embarrassing than that last house. Okay, God wants to bless you. The Bible says give and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together and overflowing. You just can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. Now, sometimes he's totally stretching you and you feel like you're about to break. Ah, and then poosh, he blesses you. And you're like, oh my goodness. I can't believe this, Lord. But it's about relationship with him. And it's about his kingdom. Uh, I want to tell you that, that this is what scripture says. It says this, 2 Corinthians 9, 11 through 13. It says, yes, God will give you so much that you can give away much. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out into thanksgiving and praise to God for your help. We're talking about radical generosity today, if you haven't picked this up. We're talking about kingdom giving. And God is saying, believers, Christians, I want to give you so much that you can give away so much. And why? Because this is what's going to happen. Verse 12, so two good things happen as a result of your gifts. Those in need are helped. And they are overflow with thanks to God. And those you help will be glad not only because of your generous gifts to them and to others, but they will praise God for this proof that your deeds are as good as your doctrine. What happens when the body of Christ starts getting generous is people start worshiping God. And they start saying, certainly God's at work in their midst because typically people are selfish, but these people are selfless. So God's going to bless the body of Christ. He's going to pour it out. Look, here's what the NIV Reader's Version says. It says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving. There's some people in this church that have a lot 
And, and we shouldn't be jealous of them. We shouldn't be angry with them. We should be thankful for them. I think about Raymond and Melissa Alvarez. Now, Raymond's story is awesome because he started by making, hand-making tacos in the back of a little taco shop. And then he was faithful and he was generous. And guess what happened? Then God gave him his own taco shop. And then he was faithful and generous in that. And then God gave him two taco shops. And his two turned into four and his four turned into eight and his eight turned into 16. Now he owns 22 taco shops. But here, here's the deal. If you go to his corporate office, if you go to Los Primos office, the back of his office is much bigger than the front because the back is a massive warehouse called the Share Center that tons of homeless, poor, broken, people just getting out of prison, people in need come and they distribute clothing. They distribute household items. They came, we, had, we ran thir- 300 people through the Share Center. They brought it here on Christmas. And then he uses his companies to hire people who need help, who need a break. And they set them up to prosper them. Don't you think God loves to bless those kind of people? He and, he and his wife, Melissa, their heart is to be a blessing to others. And so God's prospering them. I, I, I think about Mickey and Stephanie Wade, who started getting a hold of this, just saying, okay, God, we want to be radical givers. And so Mickey just one day says, okay, God, whatever I make in a stock market this day, it's all going to the kingdom. <laughs> Don't you know that God just that day, it was poosh, blew him away. And so all these training school students got to go on their outreach last summer because he just gave them, gave it away. Don't you think God loves to bless people like that? I think about Jeff Mitchell, uh, uh, a physical therapist in our midst who for years, his job, he, he'd, he'd live on half of his income so he could give the other half to missions. God, God loves to bless people like this. He, and he loves to prosper people like this. Now, now here's the thing. Do I think that everyone's supposed to be rich? I mean, that's one of the things that the like prosperity gospel teaches. Everyone's supposed to be rich. I don't think everyone's supposed to be rich. And here's why. Cause God loves you too much. Right? There, there's a lot of you in this room that God loves you way too much to let you be rich. Because you see what happens to people in Hollywood, right? I mean, here's sweet little girl. All of a sudden she gets rich and she blows her life away, right? And, and God loves you too much. So not everyone is going to be rich. Listen to what Proverbs says. This is a Proverbs you might not want to pray over your life, but it's a good one. Proverbs 30 verse 8 says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty. You're going to love praying that part. Give me neither poverty nor riches, a little harder place to pray, but give me only my daily bread, verse nine. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? I may become poor and or, or become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of the Lord. This proverb is saying, hey, let's be content with just having our needs met. So I don't become too rich and just totally captivated by my riches and my money and start thinking I'm all that. And so I'm not poor and needing to steal and needing to be frantic. God, just give me enough. And that's what God wants for probably most of the people in this room. Some of you guys, God really is going to just rain down tremendous prosperity. Why? So that you can be rich in good works and take care of the poor and bless the city and employ many people and send thousands of dollars to the nations. Now, let me just finish by telling you two two more people because maybe it's a a, a little more closer to home. Veronica Serrano didn't come from a wealthy family. She 
hard, hardworking gal. She gets saved in our midst. And so she's worked really hard, saved up to buy herself a new computer. And then meets another guy who just moves here and, and is struggling to get a job and needs a computer to, to do his job but doesn't have one. Now, she didn't have an extra computer. God just pumps on her heart, this guy needs this more than you do. So she gives her computer to him. Then she has a nice bicycle that she had saved up and bought and then sees someone that needs a bicycle. And so she gives them the bike, not out of her abundance, but out of what she had, out of her need. But you know what was so cool to watch a couple months ago is that when her car broke down and died, it was amazing to watch all her community rally around her and shower her with the finances to buy a new car. People were rejoicing about it. She didn't give so she'd get a new car. She gave to meet the needs around her, but then God blessed her way beyond what she had given. Or here, here, here's a story that I love. Lamech and Estella, uh, the first refugee family that joined us uh, from, from Africa, came in and, and, and Amy, uh, one of our ladies on staff, was visiting them one day and says, hey, where did your table and chairs go? And they said, well, there was a, a family just moving from Africa so we gave them the table and chairs because we thought they probably needed it more than us. Now, they didn't give their extra table and chairs. They gave their table and chairs. You know, don't wait until you have more than enough to start giving. Give out of your need. Give when you see needs in front of you. Now, here's the awesome thing for Lamech and Estella. Their first child just went off to college, and it's completely paid for. It, you, you can't outgive God. It's not some equation. It's a loving father that sees our hearts, that sees that we trust in him and starts pouring out on people who say, everything I have is yours. So let me just give you a couple practicals to end our service. The first thing is this. When money comes into your possession... You know, here's what Stephanie and I do. That first 10%, it belongs to the Lord. We already covered that. If you didn't hear my message on tithing several weeks ago, the, the Bible promises us blessing if, if we tithe. And the Bible also says that those people in Malachi chapter 3, look at it for yourself. It says they're under a curse because you're holding back and keeping what's God's. I don't want that. I want the blessing. So I immediately give my first fruits to the Lord. But after that, I, every time money comes in, I say, God, what do you want me to do with this money? Say I get money for my birthday or, or say I get paid for something. I, God, what do you want me to do with this? I'm asking God. I'm not just saying it's mine. I'm saying, God, everything's yours. Is there some person? Is there some project? Is there something I can give to? Secondly, secondly uh, is this. Whenever a need presents itself before me, I always want to keep an open heart. So when I hear about something going on or when I see someone in front of me, when I see a poor person, I, I want to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you speaking to me? Remember, obedience is better than sacrifice. So I'm always asking the Lord. Thirdly is this. Some of you are in this situation today. You're in a financial crisis. You need a breakthrough and, and, and you don't know how it's going to come. I want to tell you, don't wait until you have abundance to start giving let God get involved in your financial situation by giving out of your need. So whenever Steph and I have a, a, a financial giant in front of us, we're like, we have no idea 
how we're going to be able to afford that, how we're going to be able to take care of that bill, how we're going to be able to go on that mission trip, how we're going to, we just don't see it. Not, it's not going to work out in the natural mind. Then we say, you know what? Then we, we need it to be supernatural. So let's get God involved in this. I love what youth with a mission says. They said, just keep the money moving. So we're always looking to people's needs. We're always just trying to bless people. Maybe it's not even money. Maybe it's your watch. Maybe it's a possession you have, right? I don't know what it is, but I know this. When we're generous, we're like God. The Bible says, be imitators of God. And there's no one more generous than our heavenly father. Wouldn't it be amazing to become known in the city as a generous church? That's, what, that's one thing we do with our church. We always give 10% of the money that comes in, we give away. So this week, we were giving this money to this church, this money to this other minister. We give money, you've seen us, in a service to say, we're going to give to the people who have need today. We just want to cultivate generosity. Why? Because that's what God is like. Why don't we stand up? Now, here, here's the thing. Actually, we're not going to take up an offering. There's no project we're trying to, to, to do right now, but I, I do want to tell you that there's people in this room that have needs. And when God started moving in the book of Acts chapter 2, it says there was no needy among them. Why? Because people were so sensitive to the Lord. So I just want to take a moment to pray. Leaders, come on down forward. And I just want you to ask the Lord. We just ask the Lord, God, is there something that you want me to do today? to respond to your word. We don't want to just be hearers. We want to be doers. Is there someone that needs to receive some kind of gift? Don't, don't wait until you have an overabundance. Let's let God get involved and turn our natural finances into supernatural finances. Now, I also know that there's a lot of pain in this room. There's a lot of need. And if that's you today, we want to pray for you and want to invite you to come forward. And also, if you've never given your life to Jesus, he's the greatest gift. He died on the cross to forgive your sins. He rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death. And he wants to give you a new life. And I'd encourage you that say, I don't know if I really know Jesus to come down and talk to one of our leaders today. They'll put one of these books in your hand called Knowing Jesus is Lord. Let's sing one song here and just finish in this last moment by getting before the Lord. God, speak to us anything we need to do to be obedient. Lord, I pray every person that's really struggling today financially, God, that you would start moving on their behalf, that you'd provide their every need according to your glorious riches. And Lord, let us be, let the people of God be generous like you are. Lord, let us not be known as stingy. Let us be known as ones who give radically just as you radically gave us your only son. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You come now as you need prayer.